Okay, so we're talking today about prayer being the key to victory. It is also our approach to God. As Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to approach him in silence, but it is so important that we are talking to him and our conversation with the Lord, that is prayer. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 7 that they were to ask, to pray, and to seek. If we read Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says... Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish... Will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then we can go to Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 38. Sorry. Matthew 9, 38 says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There's a pattern here. Now we're going to Move on to Matthew 21, verse 22. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Next scripture is Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Consider Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. He was in trouble, and he approached God and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Do you see how important prayer is? It is the key 
to developing a relationship with God. Think about it. Abraham was called a friend of God, by God, as well as by others. Jehoshaphat, to go back to him, he said in Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? Then in James twenty two in James two twenty three it says the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Isaiah forty verse eight, but thou Israel art my servant, Jacob whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. I think it's safe to say that we would all like to be called a friend of God. But how do we get there? How did Abraham become a friend of God? First of all, he was an altar builder. He called on the name of the Lord. He received the revelation that God was El Elyon, the Most High God the possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham drew near to God. And Abraham believed what God said. So we're going to move to Romans 4.13. And we're going to read a little bit there. I just have to get there. Because I didn't mark that. So Romans... 413, and we're going to read through verse 21. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who, against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred year old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Okay, so moving back to becoming a faithful woman in prayer. We need to pray always without ceasing. This means we remain in an attitude of prayer unto God at all times. We're consistent in our prayer life. We pray about everything. We have conversation with God throughout the day, anywhere, anytime, sometimes out loud, perhaps other times silently. We walk in the spirit, just as Roman 8 instructs us to do. And just like in Deuteronomy, we pray when we lay down, we pray when we rise up, when we walk by the way, we pray about our children and our marriage, our home, our job, our church, our finances. We pray about everything. We pray before we do anything. Luke 18.1 says, Men ought always to pray. And Ephesians 6.18 tells us that we are to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. If we pray without ceasing, we will not worry. We will not be anxious. We will live out Philippians 4, 6, which says, Be careful for nothing, no fretting, no worrying, but in everything by prayer. Get that? We pray about everything. And maybe you never thought about this, but did you ever consider that it's a sin not to pray. James 4.17 tells us, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And then 1 Samuel 12.23 says, As for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So we can see how important prayer really is, that we should sin against the Lord if we cease to pray. Prayer is important to God. He delights in prayer. Proverbs fifteen eight says, The sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And then 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. Prayer really is the key to victory. In fact, if we go to Revelation chapter 5, 
and we read there, we will see that God stores the prayers of the saints. Let's read 5 verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And then in Revelation 8, 4, it also says, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. The prayers of all the saints. Intercessory prayers are so important. All prayers are so very important. This is how evil is destroyed, and righteousness is established in the earth. We need to pray. And we need to pray so we do not enter into temptation. Matthew twenty six forty one tells us to watch and pray so that we do not enter into temptation. For We are also warned that we will faint if we do not pray. In Isaiah chapter 41, it says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So let's break that down a little bit more. What does it mean to wait? If we're waiting, we're mentally looking. We are in a state of expectation. We're watching. If we reword the scripture above, we can say, They that look to the Lord with expectation, faith, or hope, maybe and hope, they shall not fail. In order to look upon him, we must be close enough to see him. And when we draw nigh to him in prayer, he will draw nigh to you. Read a couple more scriptures here. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. If we're calling upon him, we are using our voice. We are speaking. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And now, waiting upon the Lord. Let's go to Psalms 27, verse 14. 
Psalm 27, verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And then, next one is Proverbs 20, verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Okay, and now we're going to go back to Psalms 37, verse 34. Psalms 37, 34 says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee. To inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Okay, so more reasons to pray. We should pray when we're afflicted, when we're in trouble. In fact, James 5.13 tells us, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So if we're afflicted, there's pain in our body, in our mind. Perhaps we are in grievous distress, tribulation, trials. If something is being afflicted, it means to inflict a great injury or a hurt upon someone. It's a continual pain, a continual distress, whether physically or mentally. Yet, we also need to notice that God does use affliction to draw people to him. In Isaiah 5.15, it is in their affliction, he says, that they will seek me early. So sometimes he uses affliction to draw people to him. Other times, God uses affliction to refine people. Isaiah 48.10 says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. God's not using riches or affluence, nothing that will bring us pride or glory. He uses tears and pain and distress to refine us, to bring us near to him. And if we consider the story of Joseph, affliction can sometimes bring out the best in people if they keep a right attitude. Joseph named his second child Ephraim, and he said, God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The Lord can deliver those who are afflicted, whether it's by the enemy, whether we're in trouble, Psalm 102.17 says that he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. And Psalm 102.17, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. I think that's the same one. My apologies there. Um, let's move on to Second Chronicles 7.14. So many of us know this one. It's always one that is good to pray. 
If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So, what do we know so far? We know that prayer is so important to God. We know that prayer can help us to not enter into temptation. It can give us strength. It can help us when we're afflicted, when we are in trouble. How about praying when we're thankful? 1 Timothy 2.1 I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for all things unto God. Psalm 95, 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Psalm 104. Enter and into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we pray with thanksgiving. But we can also pray with faith. Here's an example from this book I've been reading. It says, One cold winter many years ago, the people of a certain town were in great trouble. A hostile army marched down upon them. They had little doubt the cruel soldiers would destroy their homes. In one family, there was an aged grandmother. While many were fearing and worrying, this grandmother was praying that God would protect them, that he would build a wall of defense around about them. During the night, they heard the tramping of many feet. They heard many fearful sounds, yet no harm came to them. In the morning, they found that just beyond the house, the drifted snow had built up a wall that kept the soldiers from coming in to their home. You see, said the grandmother, God built a wall around us. Isn't that an awesome testimony? Things that God will do because we prayed. R.A. Tory says it like this. To pray in the name of Jesus is not only to use his name at the end of the prayer, but it is to pray in the mind and the spirit of Jesus while we believe his promises, rely on his grace, and work his works. 
What is it to pray in Christ's name? There's nothing mystical or mysterious about this expression. If one goes through the Bible and examines all passages in which the expression, in my name, or in his name, or other similar expressions are used, he will find it means just about what it does in modern usage. If I go to a bank and hand a check-in with my name signed to it, I am asking that bank in my own name. If I have money deposited in that bank, the check will be cashed. If not, it will not be. If, however, I go to the bank with someone else's name signed to the check, I am asking in his name. It doesn't matter whether I have money in the bank or any other. If the person whose name is signed to the check has money there, the check will be cashed. So it is when I go to the bank of heaven, when I go to God in prayer. I have nothing deposited there. I have absolutely no credit. If I go in my own name, I get absolutely nothing. But Jesus has unlimited credit in heaven. And he has granted me the privilege of going to the bank with his name on my checks. And when I go, my prayers will be honored to any extent. That's a confidence that we can have in prayer. And prayer does give us confidence. It helps us to increase our faith. It clears our vision, steadies our nerves. It defines our duty and purpose. And when we pray in Jesus' name, prayer gives fire and power. It lets the flesh touch the glory. The glory of the Lord rubs off on our spirits. It causes us to soar with the eagles. Their thoughts rise above those around them because in prayer we have been touched with God. Psalm eighteen twenty eight through 30 reads, For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. And verse 32 of that same chapter says, It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He will light our path. He will make our way perfect. We must pray. We must pray boldly coming to that throne of grace where we will obtain mercy, where we will find help in time of need. That prayer will grow our relationship with the Lord. It will increase our faith. It will help us and fill us with delight, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we pray, we will not faint When we pray, we will be comforted, 
We will find that in times of affliction or trouble, we will be refined. We will come near to God. We will be delivered. Prayer will do so many things for us. We must pray.